0: to Soul Searching on KSFR with Rabbi Neil Amswich from Temple Beth Shalom in Santa Fe. Soul Searching is a journey where I engage with an array of thinkers from faith leaders to academics to artists to explore deep questions of meaning. Questions that all of us ask at some point in our lives, such as why are we here? What is right and wrong? Is there good and evil? Is truth relative or absolute? Is there life after death? And to help us in our journey this evening, we're very honoured to welcome to our show Michael Gallagher, a faculty member at St. John's College here in Santa Fe, in New Mexico, who received his MA in Contemporary Continental Philosophy and uh, also uh, his PhD in ancient philosophy as well. Michael, it's wonderful to have you here on our show. It's great to be
1: here. Thank you, Rabbi, for having me.
0: Of course. So you have a particular interest in Spinoza. So um, why don't you start by telling us a little about him and maybe his most important works?
1: The works I'm reading right now are um, his uh, theological political Treatise Mm -hmm. and his Ethics. And um, I've always been interested in Jewish thought. Um, when I was a young uh, 16 year old, I wanted to be a rabbi actually. Ah, wow. um, and um, I uh, always really admired the tradition that I was a part of and the books that we read very closely. And I realized that that's really what I wanted to be doing, studying texts. And so that led me to start to study philosophy uh-huh. um, and I had a teacher uh, my first year of college who had me read Nietzsche because I had an interest in Judaism and um, taught me that Nietzsche was not the anti-Semite that we um, sometimes think he is, but that he really had a profound respect for the Jewish people and um, thought that the deepening of the human soul comes about through um, Judaism and then Christianity, um, even though he talks about slave morality and sure. things like that. So, um I, I became interested in, in studying philosophy, and that's what I've been doing uh, my whole life. And at St. John's, we're not experts on anything, really, but I get to um, study Spinoza, and I wouldn't consider myself an expert in Spinoza, but I'm deeply involved in, in his thought right at the moment. So t- tell us a little about him, about his who he was, it's, his context. So we don't know much about his early life. Um, he lived in Amsterdam, and... Um, was a a kind, gentle soul who somehow got himself excommunicated from the Jewish community um, for things that he said or um, wrote. And he um, learned a lot from that experience. Apparently, he wore a signet ring, and on it was the Latin word for caution. Mm. And um, he understood that he had to be much more prudent in the way that he presented his thoughts because... um, from what I've been reading, uh, you know, in terms of his his books, the ethics and the theological P- political treatise, he was something of a heretic. Mm-hmm. Um, he he um, he um, had some issues with revealed religion and right. thought that philosophy, especially natural philosophy, he was part of this modern movement um, uh, to uh, to develop a new system of government and um, the scientific mastery of nature, um, which he saw. Um, was there were obstacles that religion was posing um, and that he wanted to try to find a way to overcome those obstacles, superstition and things like right. that, um, in order to be able to get human beings to, to uh, promote and to um, seek out the best human life possible. Um, and it turned out to be beyond any sort of religious belief, I think, for Spinoza. Um, people read him differently, but I, I think that I read him as a very radical thinker, ultimately. Definitely.
0: I, you mention his excommunication, and it's the received wisdom that he was excommunicated because of what he wrote. I heard a little while ago the idea that he was excommunicated actually because his family owed an insane amount of money to the Jewish community and refused to pay it back, and they needed a reason, and that's not a good reason to excommunicate someone. Have you heard
1: of this? Is I there... have not heard of that. Um, I, I haven't studied much about his life, and and um, but that's an interesting idea. But my guess is that they were able to – where there's smoke, there's fire. Right. And um, they were able to find something to um, validate their excommunication of Spinoza. And it probably had to do with his beliefs that um, these rituals finally don't matter in terms of um, – what you finally believe about the world. Um, and he, he poses the, those sorts of criticisms, not just against Judaism, but um, Christianity as well. Right. He, um, he did not ever become a Christian, but he began writing for a Christian audience, I think. He wrote in Latin at the time, and he was writing for learned um, christian people who might be in a position to spread his teaching more than his jewish community could because they wouldn't have anything to do with it i I, I saw recently when i
0: was looking online uh, and i was trying to do a little bit of research before we spoke and um a number of people asking is is brunoza a christian writer and i thought no he's one of ours and i thought well he's not really one of ours And, and it was a really interesting thing who the idea that Apparently, a number of people in the Christian community claim him as a Christian author. That I found quite shocking, actually. But then I guess that's the nature of excommunication, that if a, if a religious community doesn't want you, you're naturally tempted to at least, as if you're an author, write so that at least one other community will publish your
1: work. I think that's a large part of it. I think that he knew that um, appealing to a Christian audience, which was the power of Christianity, was spreading. um, And um, he thought that his teaching, which was ultimately, as I read him, Mm anti-religious, had um, more possibility of spreading throughout the world if it was accepted by Christian thinkers. And so in the Theological Political Treatise, he's especially hard on the Jewish tradition. He's very tough on them. And he, he takes it easy on the Christians. Um, and so he, he's much more reserved when it comes to talking about um, the apostles or talking about the ceremonies of the Christians. That's because he's trying, I think, to um, make it possible for Christianity to spread a word that ultimately undermines the very core of Christianity. That's how radical I think he ultimately was. So,
0: one of the, one of the things that you've mentioned already in terms of ritual. And, and the development of ritual ritual is embedded in theology. Um, can you share a little about Spinoza's theology and why it was
1: so different to the theology at the time? so Spinoza appeals to something called a natural theology where it's not a uh, it's not about a God who cares about you, who wills anything about human life, who wants you to uh, live a just life. this is i mean, he basically says that God is nature, right so Finally, for Spinoza, we have a God that um, we know of two attributes. Um, God is the only substance, according to Spinoza. Um, He's the uh, only—God is the only thing that is one and unified, but we know of two attributes, and those two attributes, as he tells us in the ethics, are extension and thinking. And his identification of God with nature makes it um, this God to be the natural— laws of natural necessity. That's finally what God is for him. There's there's no final cause. Um, there's a distinction in philosophy between different sorts of causes, and we right. have an efficient cause and a material cause, and we have a final cause. Um, Spinoza gets rid of all final cause. He, he looks at the world as having certain causes but put, which put things into effect, but to no final ultimate good um, f- for human beings, and that's especially shocking for human beings who want to think that there is some God who is... Is looking over us, um, and um, and I think so. So he writes in such a way that he is appropriated by Christianity, um, but I um, I think that people who read him that way don't see that his attack on Judaism and Scripture, and, sure. and it's quite an attack in in uh, the theological political treatise, also appeals to, uh, applies to Christianity.
0: I think it's it's fascinating, particularly nowadays, that there are more and more jews in my experience who are exploring pantheism and panentheism Um, either god is nature or god can be found through nature Mm -hmm. um, and are moving away from this revelation this received god sitting on a cloud listening to our prayers because for every for every good thing that happens or for every bad thing that happens. And we pray to God for it not to happen or for it to change the perspective of almost, but, but if God has the power to do that, then God must have helped make that bad thing happen in the first place. I can understand why so many people are, are looking at, nowadays are looking at theology that is at least
1: similar to Spinoza. And I think that his readings leave a lot of room for that sort of thing, and especially for something like mysticism um, um, and Kabbalah and things Mm -hmm. like that. But um, I see him through the lens of the modern project that um, um, starts with Machiavelli and continues with Bacon and Hobbes. And so it's a modern scientific project which... Um, turns to nature to understand the world so we can master it. And so God for him is blessedness. He, he, he says this explicitly, but what he means by blessedness is a certain way of life in accord with our nature, one that understands our greatest potentials and that has to do with human thought and realizes that in a life devoted to the pursuit of wisdom. Um, so he, I finally don't think that he's he's... His God is the same God that many modern Jews today right. turn to or look for when they turn to something like pantheism um, but i'm I'm appreciative that Spinoza allows for that sort of thing right. you know he's he's a very interesting writer who writes on different sorts of levels.
0: We have to take a pause i when we come back, I want to talk about this idea of of uh, as you said turning to the world and mastering it because that's not necessarily a positive thing so I, I want to take a pause where you're listening to soul searching on ksfr with rabbi neil amswich from temple Beth shalom in santa fe our guest this evening michael gulliber from a uh, faculty member from saint john's college also here in santa fe and we'll be back after this break You're listening to Soul Searching on KSFR with Rabbi Neil Amswich from Temple Beth Shalom in Santa Fe. My guest this evening, Michael Gulliver, a faculty member at St. John's College here in Santa Fe. You were talking, we've been talking about Spinoza and talking about his thoughts in the theological political treaties and in the ethics. The idea that God is the only substance, um, that this natural theology that, as you put it, God doesn't care about you because there isn't a God who cares about you. God is, and everything is God. And you mentioned before the break this idea of this modern project of turning to the world and mastering it. Isn't that part of the problem today in contemporary society? I mean, we read, we can read Spinoza and say this was a very positive, interesting development in human thought, but uh-oh, look where it's led to.
1: It's, it's led to lots of dangerous things, and I think we— we, we, when we look at Descartes and his analytic geometry and his attempt to reduce everything to matter in motion, which we can control, um, leads to great problems um, in technological society. And um, I don't know if someone like Descartes can be forgiven. For something like this. Spinoza, I'm starting to see um, as leaving much more room for an awareness of our limitations. He really, in the ethics, he really shows us that so much of what we are, we can't control. Um, We have to accept because it's natural. And there are certain good things about our natures and certain bad things. Um, But um, we have to, in order to be able to seek perfection, we have to be fundamentally aware of our incompleteness and the limits on what we can do. And I think God, um, for him, um, while it stands for nature, also is a great sign for him, the, the, being able to talk about God, think about God, that we are not ourselves gods and right. that we have to be aware of our limitations. And if we're not aware of them while we're doing this m- project in modern science, we will end up destroying ourselves. Um, I, I think Spinoza sees that problem at work and so... Um, is aware of it, and um, really wants us to see our limitations, uh, expose them. When you're
0: talking about the awareness and the behavior, am I right that there's essentially in Spinoza's thought that there's no free will?
1: So it's very hard. (laughs) Um, Sometimes he suggests that freedom is the goal, and that seems to be the goal of his um, his idea of a liberal democracy, mm-hmm. that we can um, attain some sort of freedom. But he does state in many other places that there is no such thing, not even God has free will. That's the amazing thing he says. Right. God is pure necessity, and therefore there are no miracles, because God can't do anything different than what's already naturally necessary. So um, his his um, talk about miracles in the theological Political treatise is very interesting because he thinks that it's only the atheist who would believe that god would do something other than what's um in accord with nature and that leads to all sorts of superstition um anyway so that's a wait that doesn't that's an extraordinary statement that is
0: in a religious perspective let's pause on that for a second only an atheist would believe essentially in the miracles like the ones described in the bible that's right
1: um For Spinoza, it's only a matter of not understanding how these miracles happen by nature. And to say that God can do something miraculous is to say that God can only do something very limited that's not eternal necessity. So um, God can only do what is strictly true and necessary according to nature, and to believe otherwise is to open up a space for superstition, which he thinks is the most dangerous thing um, for human beings because they kill each other because of their differences in, in superstition or their different beliefs in religion. Um, so he really wants to moderate uh, so many things at once. He wants to make it possible for Jews to live with Christians and Christians and Jews to live with Muslims. He he, he wants a pluralistic society. He thinks it's necessary for democracy. Um,
0: but, <laughs> but in order to do so, he kind of erases racist. It raises all the differences, and so it's not really That's Jews we're right. living with Christians living with Muslims. It's it's secular people, naturalists who are living with the world. Going there, you go. This is this is us all together.
1: But I think he understands that you know once you're a Jew, you're always a Jew, no matter what you believe, and and that there are always going to be differences between people, um, and we have to figure out a kind of um, government or system which allows us to those differences not to get in the way of our understanding of one another, but also to put reins on the other um, you know dogmatic beliefs of others and to be much more tolerant. Um, so I, 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 this phrase I've never heard this phrase before and I honestly
0: I tried to read the whole of the theological political treaties. it's, it's a big book, it's big and it's hard. It's, yeah. it's really difficult and um, I, I'd never heard this idea of of the belief in the suspension of the laws of nature which so many people today would say that is the sort of hallmark of religious faith Mm -hmm. that god can do these things the idea that to do that would actually be the atheist perspective because you're limiting god i think that's uh, that's one of the most shocking things i've heard on this show and i mean that in a positive, developmental way. Actually.
1: Right. It's extraordinary. And, I mean, it also leads, I think, to to interesting and, and penetrating critiques of Spinoza. How can you understand what the limits are of what God can do or not? He claims to be able to know that God is natural necessity. Right. Um, maybe he Maybe he doesn't have an argument for that. Um, maybe he thinks it's necessary to believe this in order for human progress. Um, so there's a rhetorical um, aspect to his writing as well, where he right. he really um, seems to make an argument. But what those what assumptions that argument is built on are, are up for grabs. Um, he's you know he 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 might know that he's starting from some place that is not the beginning. That he has to assert certain things in order to argue. For other things that um, he believes are best for human beings and human life in in a, in a world where um, religious distinctions are both terribly important enough right. to die for, but also um, the world is becoming um, much more pluralistic, and we have to be able to do something about that to live peacefully with one another. I think
0: the if if Spinoza is holding that god and the universe are the same if he's moving beyond any concept of revelation if he is if he's making the assumption that the world is as it is then i can understand the idea that that any suspension of the laws of nature would be superstition that of course leads to the obvious critique of revealed religion itself in some sense it feels slightly circular in its in its argument in in some sense it's self-sustaining but in some sense it's circular isn't it because what what he's saying is the bible can't be true because it's not true and therefore that's why it can't be true Uh,
1: that's um that's a really um, interesting and important point to make, and, and I think it just reinforces this idea that Spinoza knows that he can't do it any other way. He's right. got to be circular in the end, but the project is so important because his, his ultimate aim is to split philosophy from, from religion. He really wants the life of philosophy to be free in a way that it hasn't been, especially since um, the power of the church to um, try to incorporate and make it its own. Um, but freedom for Spinoza has something to do with understanding um, what human life, what we ultimately strive for. Um, Nietzsche was very taken by Spinoza for this very reason. It's about um, striving and trying to um, um, build on the strengths that we have in order to live um, a, a life that is is free and honest um, and values life. Um, And I think Spinoza values life and values a good human life and wants to make room for people like himself um, to be able to pursue that sort of life without the restrictions of the obedience um, that he sees is required for for all religion. I mean, he basically says that's what religion is for. It's for obedience. It's not for um, philosophy.
0: Um, Which I profoundly disagree with, of course, but then I'm a reform rabbi, so I would.
1: I, I think for me when
0: when it, spinoza's talking about a good life though if the world is as it is and if we are as we are then how can you use, we're not even moral agents in some sense and so how can there be any aspiring to anything as opposed to i i could see and maybe this is saying more about me than spinoza but i could see a reading of spinoza that leads to this nihilistic Well, I just am a terrible person or I am a great person. I am whoever I am. So that's the way I was made. It's almost in the nature versus nurture debate. It's almost saying I'm I'm totally nature. And and that's that there's no need for change. There's no possibility for change, because if there were a possibility for change, then couldn't he apply that universally and say, actually, miracles could happen because because anything can change beyond the parameters of what it normally is i feel like there's a connection between from what you're saying between his view on the person and his view on the universe in terms of agency and and direction if there's no direction for the universe how can there be direction for a human being
1: i you've just said a lot and i'm I'm trying to (laughs) um let me start um with Maybe be where you began and where you ended um so his ethics is is not a moral code that's it's nothing like that it's it's more like aristotle's if if, if you've read aristotle's ethics it's about the the perfection of a of, uh, our potential, mm. and that is a universal thing for Spinoza. he tries to understand our nature what nature gives us gives what nature gives us in order to flourish, and the way the path to to flourishing in that way, which ultimately requires that you be good to other people, um, that there is a society that is um, that lives by the law. Mm-hmm. So, I I see the nihilistic um, tendencies that right. has come out of a certain reading of Spinoza, but I think that he's aware that human nature is is what it is, and um, it has certain potentials and that we have to impose these moral codes on us in order to be able to live together. Um, But they're not rooted in nature, but they are still rooted in in rationality and reason. And they ultimately make possible the kind of human flourishing that Spinoza is in search of. We've
0: only got a few minutes left. You mentioned mysticism um, and how Spinoza's text could lead to mysticism. Could you share a little, just in the last three minutes, of how? In what way? As somebody so naturalistic. In what way can that? Can his readings lead to mysticism?
1: That's a very good question, and I don't know much about mysticism. Um, um, I listened to your previous pos- podcast on it, and that was—I enjoyed that very much. Um, but it had to do with understanding, tr- an attempt to understand, not through reason, but through some other way accessing the things that we can never understand in terms of reason. Oh. And um, Spinoza leaves room for wonder. So ah. as, as much as he leaves room for wonder, um, I think there's room for a kind of mysticism, which um, is an attempt to, to have some sort of um, connection to things that we can't put into language. Um, and and um, I wouldn't say that Spinoza ultimately is a mystic, but Because he leaves room for wonder, I think that he also can be read as leaving room for a kind of mysticism that goes beyond just um, what we can say about cause and effect in the natural world.
0: It's fascinating to me because for me, religion is about wonder. Mm -hmm. It's not about control. It's not about you must. It's about taking, experiencing God in the moment or experiencing divinity, however you understand it, in the moment and then celebrating it ritually um not as a superstition but as a way of actually acknowledging the wonder of this moment when i when i eat some food and i say the bracha i say the blessing it's not because i'm told i have to do it it's because i'm i'm experiencing wonder in that moment and i'm naming it in a traditional way so it's ironic for me to hear this because that's exactly why religion
1: and i think that i'm more in agreement with you on that aspect of it than if if i'm right about spinoza taking it to this radical um extreme um then i i i need to step back from spinoza and and i think like you do that um it's it's about one, but for him you know the jewish community was all about obedience yeah, right. um it was a very different world for jewish people back then um but it's hard um I would really like to understand how Reform Judaism understands itself in relationship to that strict demand for obedience that you get in the Scriptures. Um, It's it's something that fascinates me. Um, Well, then maybe you're going to have to come back
0: for another show and we can talk about Spinoza, authority, religion, Mm -hmm. and philosophy. Sounds good. I've really, really appreciated this conversation. I really do. You've really opened up Spinoza, which is a very challenging read, really opened it up. And and I want to thank you for for coming on to our show. And I genuinely do hope that you can come back and we can talk again. Thank you.
1: um, You're very welcome. I enjoyed this conversation very much.
0: So thank you to Michael Goluboff from St. John's College. Uh, Thank you for coming on to our show. You've been listening to Soul Searching with Rabbi Neil Amswich from Temple Beth Shalom and from the Interfaith Leadership Alliance of Santa Fe. Until we return again in two weeks' time, keep searching.